morning, everybody. Great to see you. You can be seated. God bless you. Can we thank the team this morning for leading us so beautifully in worship? Thank you. Beautiful. Wow, so good to be with you in uh, beautiful Port Lincoln. So I discovered you guys got a little piece of heaven here in Port Lincoln. I did a walk yesterday around the water there, and I was like, oh, Lord, thank you for bringing me here. And uh, I'm going to suffer for Jesus in Port Lincoln. I've been on mission trips before. If he wants to send me back, I'll come, you know, so so awesome. And, and this is the passionate people I see of Port Lincoln as well, passionate worshipers and passionate lovers of Jesus, and, uh, and I love heartfelt worship too. And so thanks to your team who just brought us, you know, into the presence of God then with that great love and great passion for Jesus. So it's just wonderful to be here with you and, uh, and see you all suffering in this beautiful place. And how good is your seafood? Went out for, went out for dinner um, uh, with Rob and Pauline the other night. We had a beautiful meal and I had fish there. And then last night I had, uh, apparently you guys have the best pizza in South Australia. So we went to the pizza place and had my marinara uh, pizza. And uh, that pizza place is good, isn't it? The, and you've got a real Italian guy cooking the pizza. So you should give him a tip because he's actually real. So... He's actually the real deal. And uh, so, yes, uh, enjoying your food, enjoying the people. And i got to say, everybody in Port Lincoln is so friendly. And uh, even where I'm staying, everybody's so nice. So you're in a blessed place. Hello, you're in a best blessed place. Yeah, so you need to appreciate your uh, place, your town, and your church, because you're in a blessed place, and everybody's uh, really, really just friendly. And I'm just enjoying my time here. It's been awesome. Last night, how good was that place? Oh, my gosh. So anyway, talk to your pastor about where we went last night. That was amazing. So uh, yeah, so I'm feeling refreshed and blessed and uh, bring greetings from uh, my wife, Sue, who is at home. She just preached on Friday night. Now, we have a Friday night service. We don't do Sunday nights because I'm at home watching 60 Minutes. So, uh, so <laughs> let's be honest. But we have a Friday, <laughs> but we have a great Friday night service, and uh, my wife preached on Friday night, and, and she's very funny. She's really a great speaker. And uh, so she had a great night. She sends her best wishes to everybody here today and prays that we have a blessed day and that you're blessed. And, uh, and also bring greetings from our church, Global Heart Church, as Pastor Rob said in Perth. And by the way, and actually just before I go on there, can I just say, you guys have got great pastors. you got great pastors. And, uh, and I get to travel, I get to go around places, and uh, I love your pastors. They've got great hearts, great spirits. They're passionate for you guys, passionate for your town, and passionate for the whole community here in the Air Peninsula. And uh, you need to not take that for granted, you know what I mean? Sometimes you can take it for granted, and I want to encourage you, don't take it for granted because they've been positioned by the Lord and they're great people. So can you give your pastors a big hand? They're awesome people. Come on, give them a big hand. They're really wonderful. So, and uh, appreciating my time with them too. And then Josh here with the youth. What a great kid. So uh, awesome. So I'm blessed to be here and blessed to be in your midst. And um, what else going to say to you? Yeah. Okay. So greetings from our church, Global Heart Church. And uh, my wife and I are very blessed because we're first generation Christians, both of us from crazy backgrounds. My background, uh, for those who were there last night, you heard some of it, just absolutely crazy childhood. And, uh, and then my wife, she, uh, she um, comes from a family where her a lot of dysfunction, both of us on both sides have alcoholism, mental illness, depression, you name it, we have it. And uh, so we can relate to anybody who's got something going on. And then uh, Sue and I, and Sue was engaged to a medium, clairvoyant, when I met her. 
and studying astrology. It's hilarious, eh? And then I'm from just psycho background. I get saved, and then she makes a decision for Christ. We start dating, and then I said yesterday to the leaders, I've been laughing ever since because I said, hasn't God got a sense of humor? He took me crazy, put me with the occult queen, put us together and said, yes, you shall be pastors. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and so, so in one generation from uh, all of our stuff, God saved us, and now we're loving the fact that our three sons, we've got three amazing boys, Sean's 26, he's our creative director on staff at church, and I've got a 23-year-old son, he works for the Environment Minister in Western Australia, who's in our church, and uh, he's got his own business on the side as well, and then my 22-year-old is our kids pastor, and so from one generation, uh, two dysfunctional children making a decision to follow Christ, we, our boys and our new generation, they love God, they love God's house. And uh, we're very, very grateful for that in Jesus' name. And I just thought I'd show you my uh, youngest son just got married to the beautiful Bianca from Sri Lanka. <laughs> Bianca from Sri Lanka. And then actually my second son, he married a girl. Hang on. No, that's not her. This is, this is my... Oh, hang on. Hey, slow down. Hey, guys. Slow down now. Okay. Okay. There we go. Let's start with one girl. This is my daughter-in-law who just got married, Bianca from Sri Lanka. And uh, she's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Works in our kids' ministry with my son. And next one. This is them. My younger son, he is so happy. He is absolutely, he is so happy. So they just got married. That's the youngest one. Keep going. Awesome. There's the family there. Three huge boys. And that's my beautiful English wife there. And our three great sons. Next one. English. She's English. Oh, hello. No, go back. That'll do. There we go. And you can show that first one again that you showed. That's my second son who... Yes, thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's Nathan who married the beautiful Kerry. She's half English and half Filipino. So, so I, my family's Irish. So it's like, hang on, Bianca from Sri Lanka, Kerry's half Filipino. I said to my eldest son, that's it, buddy. You are marrying an Irish girl or else. And he said to me, Dad, there's not much chance of that happening. <laughs> but anyway, we're very blessed. And uh, the boys are all uh, serving God and then married beautiful girls who uh, love the Lord. Love God's house. So it's amazing what God can do in one generation. Two, two prayers from two dysfunctional kids. And, uh, and you know, not long later, God's uh, doing something wonderful in our family. So can I encourage you, speak life over your children. And speak life over yourself. Because God can do something wonderful when we uh, serve Him. Can you say amen? Amen. So uh, uh, many years ago, the boys, um, we were living in England. And I can remember... Um, traveling, we were coming back to Australia to uh, probably the Hillsong Conference, I think, and been in England for a number of years. And uh, I remember being at an airport. We'd come, we'd come home. We'd stopped up on the way somewhere. I can't remember where it was. It could have been LA. I think it probably was. Go do the Disneyland deal when you come back from England. And uh, so we went there. And I can remember we were flying out. And as we got time to fly out, the boys had run around. We'd been, had a really, really busy time. And I came around the corner. I'd left Sue in the lounge with them, with the boys getting ready to fly. And I came around at the corner and all three of the boys and my wife are unconscious. They were out cold. And then it's gone up on the thing, you know, Qantas flight is boarding now. And so I'm like trying to raise them all. And uh, they just would not raise, including my wife. And I'm like, Lord, I got the three of them out cold here. And, uh, and Sue's out cold. What am I going to do? And so I'm trying to get them up, and I'm like, I'm having to like, I'm going to my wife. Sue, you have to wake up. She's out. 
So we were, we were the last people to get on the plane as I finally got the two older boys up. They were in like a, a stiff walking coma, you know, dead. And I had the young uh, one, Jordan, over my shoulder who never woke up until we hit the ground in Sydney. He didn't even know he'd boarded a plane. And, uh, and my wife, she was awake from the time she boarded to she got on the plane. And then she was out cold as well. So I was like, how funny are these uh, guys? And, and I remember just the problem that you have when you're trying to do something and travel particularly, and you've got people who are asleep. And uh, I remember at, around that time having, just noting uh, sleeping syndromes. It just caught my attention because I thought, yeah, I, I got sleeping syndrome. Uh, they're in my family <laughs> when I travel. And, you know, and I discovered that there are actually sleeping syndromes. And here's one of them. Did you know there's a sleeping beauty syndrome? Did you know that? That's incredible, sleeping beauty syndrome. And it's really a massive challenge. If anybody has it, it's such a challenge. You can sleep up to 10 days at a time. And it's called the sleeping, sleeping beauty syndrome. So for up to 10 days, you can actually sleep. And they, doctors say that it takes 8 to 12 years to go away. Wow, what a challenge to have that. Oh, my gosh. Then there's narcolepsy, where you fall asleep in weird places. You just fall asleep in weird places. Like, it sounds funny, but if you have it, it's terrible. It's awful. If you have it, be healed in Jesus' name. Because I've actually got somebody in my church who has it in Perth. And, uh, yeah, and they have to watch her when she comes to church because she can just, you know, like in, in church people have been known to fall asleep. But, uh, but she can fall asleep because it's actually a condition. And, uh, and then there's another one, cataplexy. And the woman who had it, this cataplexy, she had to be very serious because if she giggled, she'd fall asleep. You would all be asleep here because you're all gigglers. So what a difficult thing to have cataplexy where if you giggle, you're trying to have everybody around you be serious because you actually fall asleep. You know, Jesus had a few challenges with sleeping people. And I discovered I'm not the only one. So I'm going to go now to the Word of God. And, uh, and just show you where Jesus had a couple of challenges with people who are sleeping. Actually, let's just pray as we do. Father, just thank you, Lord, this morning for One Heart Church. Thank you for everybody here. Just pray, Father, that today, Lord, you're going to uh, speak to people. Thank you, Lord, you're going to save somebody in this service. Father, thank you that, God, you're going to speak something beyond what I say that's going to help somebody to get uh, Father, I pray further in you. Somebody who hasn't taken the first step today, they're going to begin to move forward. Somebody who's in neutral now, Jesus, I pray they get out of neutral, God. Father, they begin to get in the first gear, second gear, Lord, third gear, fourth gear, so they can get all the way down the road, Lord, to what you have for their life. So I pray, Father, for this people in this church. Bless them, God. And I pray, Father, speak to people. And Jesus, I pray from this, continue to build your church, Father. And touch this uh, great town of Port Lincoln. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let me just read it to you in the book of Mark. I think the guys just had it for the screen. Thank you so much, guys and girls up the back. But in Mark 14, verse 32 to 41, as I said, Jesus had some challenges with some sleeping people. He had sleeping issues. So in Mark 14, 32, New King James Version of the Bible, it says this. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, 
the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. But nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed, spoke the same words. And when he returned here again, he found them what? Asleep. For their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has, become, has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being portrayed into the hands of sinners. Wow. You know, the Bible is, it contains history. Did you know that? It contains history. It contains the history of Jesus, the history of his life and ministry with the disciples. But I really want to encourage you, the Bible, the purpose of the Bible is not to contain history. The purpose of the Bible is to speak spiritual truth to you in November 2015 in Port Lincoln, South Australia. When we read the scripture, it's not to give us a history lesson of what Jesus did and said, although that's important, but the purpose is that we might understand that God wants to speak spiritual truth to us. And so in this passage, and I've been talking about sleeping conditions and challenges when I had my family who were all out cold, Jesus now has that problem at the most difficult, the most key moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. The very time where he needed the disciples to be awake, he told them what was going to happen. They knew that the hour was coming. And so he prepared them that he was, you know, he was going to be persecuted. He was going to suffer. He was going to be crucified. And now they are all uh, asleep. And three times he comes to them and is like, guys, you are missing the moment. You are missing what's happening right now. And he's basically was saying, I need you. And, and here's the amazing thing. Uh, in uh, the garden, Jesus actually used the word to the Father. He used the Aramaic word, Abba, which is the really tender word for daddy. So in the midst of the most difficult pain, the most difficult situation, he uses the uh, tender word Abba to his father to, to once again show us the character and the heart of Jesus that even under that complete stress, complete uh, fear, you know, and worry and the weight of what was about to happen, he uses the word Abba. And I saw that used beautifully when I was in Israel a number of years ago. We're going to uh, a, a Jewish messianic family, they're Jew, Jewish believers, so they're Christians, and their little boy ran in the house and he yelled out to the father while we're having dinner, Abba, and I was like, how beautiful to hear that, you know, that precious word, daddy, you know, that tender word uh, being used there in Israel, but here was Jesus using it to the father, but three times the disciples are asleep and Jesus was trying to get their attention to the moment, trying to get their attention to what was happening. And so I want to encourage you here this morning, everybody, at One Heart in Port Lincoln, to say to you, are you awake to the moment of your life? Are you awake to the moment of your life? Because I don't know about you, but I woke up this morning and went, my gosh, I'm getting older. <laughs> the days are going quick. But it feels like I was in youth group yesterday. And everybody who was in youth group, who are a little bit older now, you know what I'm talking about. It goes so quick. 
And so Jesus is saying, be alert now to the moment. Be alert now to the hour. You know, both Sue and I and our families, you know, uh, they were not bad people, but they were not alert to their lives, and they were not alert to the time, and they weren't alert to the situation. And so they ended up in such difficulty. I was telling the guys last night, my dad ended up brain damaged from fighting. He ended up blind in one eye. Um, you know, Sue and I, so many of our family members ended up with so much stuff because there was no alertness. They couldn't see their life. They couldn't see the hour, couldn't see what was happening. And I want to encourage you, God wants you to see the moment, the hour, listen, and the opportunity. Thank you for that thrilling amen. You have a great opportunity. Right now, there's opportunity around your life. Sue and I have opportunity. Here's where we had opportunity too. We had opportunity as parents to raise our boys to love Jesus. And, uh, and to serve the Lord. And then the day came where I said to my wife, who's going to be our kids pastor? We've got so many kids coming now. Who is going to be it? And then my wife looked over at our younger son. She said, I think it's him. Because <laughs> he was out there, just loved the kids. And the kids all followed him like the Pied Piper. And I was like, our son? Him? And then I went, yeah, they all do follow him. Wow. He was in our house. But we had to be alert to the moment. And, uh, and I was sharing yesterday too, that, and I'll just share it with you guys again today. Parents, you need to lead your children in the moment because the enemy hates your kids. The enemy doesn't like your children or grandchildren, and uh, he tries to shake the parents uh, uh, so that we, you know, we are not leading the, our kids into their destiny. My children are all got a destiny, and now they all are alert to it and awake to it. I one day said to my eldest son, I said about God's call, God's hand on his life, I said to him, Sean, do you understand what God's saying and doing in your life right now? Do you get this? And here's what he said to me. Growing up with me and my wife, planning to be alert to the moment for his life, for our grandchildren. He said to me, you know what my problem is, Dad? I said, what is it? He said, I get it too much. It's so clear to me. He goes, my challenge is now going with it. But he says, God's made it. I see it all, Dad. I just have to go with it now. Wow. I said, great. Thank you, Jesus. But yes, but yes, I was saying how my 13-year-old, when he, my 22-year-old who just got married, who's amazing with our children, married a beautiful girl who's got a calling to special needs children. When he was 13, we had three services, and he said to me, Dad, I'm not going to those three services you have. I'm going to one, and you can get one of those ushers at the church to take me home. And I was like so shocked. And I went, oh, okay. Radio, I need to get your mother. <laughs> so I went and told Sue, and I said, Jordan just told me he's not doing three services. So Sue came down and I said to her, now, now the thing is not the three services. The thing is, we're called as a family to build God's house. And our children have a destiny on their life. So my wife and I came in and said, now listen, Jordy, you can work in the kids one service. You can sit, you're going to sit in a service. And uh, you can go and help in the car park. You can do something. But as a family, we're called to this. And you have a great destiny. So you're going. He said, I'm not. I said, okay, George, let's just go through this one more time. One more time. This is your mother. I'm your father. And I'm letting you know you can be in the kids. You can be in the car park. You can do this. But you're going to be in one service. But we are called as a family, and you have a great destiny, and you're going. And he said to me, Dad, what don't you understand about what I'm saying? So my wife and I, now listen, most people at that point would have gone, oh, all right, honey. You, you just do that then. You just stop right there. That's what most people would do. Or if soccer come up, oh my gosh, you've got to play soccer. Oh, wow, well, they can't go to church now. They go soccer. 
And my wife and I are like, no way. You can put soccer off for two years or you can form a team with your five friends. You've got to call in God and you need to be in God's house. Now that boy, uh, later I said to him again, just so you know, Geordie, we've had a discussion about it. I have heard you. Let your children know I have heard you. And then I said, but now I'm making a statement to you. You're going to be going. This is a statement. We've moved from discussion to statements now. You're going to be going and uh, you can do... Kids one service, then you can be in the service, then you can be in the car park, then you're going. He said to me, Dad, do you understand English? It was just like never ending. So I said, okay, you can head to your room. <laughs> and in your room, I want you to just think about it because you're going to be coming, okay? And, uh, and I said, I want you in the morning to get ready and, uh, by this time, and you're going to go. And I also said to him, uh, by the way, if you aren't ready, you, will have, you won't be able to go to your friend's party and you won't be able to do that next week. Because I knew, listen everybody, I had to be alert. This was a spiritual battle. Most parents are like, oh, you don't want to go, honey? Oh my gosh, okay. All right, stay in your bedroom, put on that computer game, yes. <laughs> go and do that. And so in the morning, I got to the door and they, there's no answer, so I'm knocking on the door. It's silent, you know, knocking on the door, silence. And then uh, eventually he opens the door, and I said, uh, we're going in 20 minutes. He just then shut the door. <laughs> but the thing is, he got in the car, came that day. We never heard about it again from him. And I realize now, thank God we were awake. Thank God we were alert. Thank God we weren't doing what the average person would do, because my son now oversees nearly 400 children. And he's moving in his destiny. He's speaking. He's helping children. And when he got married just two months ago, uh, or a bit less, at his wedding reception, he stood up and just started crying. And he goes, God, I don't know why I'm so blessed. Why am I so blessed? I got this ministry. I got this beautiful Bianca from Sri Lanka. My parents are unbelievable. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> I just threw that in. But, uh, but I suddenly was like, wow, imagine if we weren't awake. Imagine if we weren't alert. Imagine if we just surrendered to the attack of the enemy on him. I said to him, do you remember when that was on? He said, yeah, it was a bit weird, Dad. He goes, I guess, I still can remember being so dramatic about it. It was spiritual. Spiritual. The enemy doesn't want my kids going on and becoming great leaders in the kingdom, going on fulfilling their destiny. And my middle son, he's a business guy. He's a political and business guy. He's 23. He did, he's, he's like, Dad, I will never be working at the church, just so you know. That's what he told me. But that's fine because he's called to business and politics. Absolutely. So, but they're in the destiny. We've got to be awake. And so I want to encourage you, are you awake this morning? And, uh, and you know, really, Jesus was looking for the disciples. He needed their support in that moment. In that moment, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was about to go to the cross, be, suffer so much, he was looking for their support. So here's a question for you this morning and for me. I want his support, right? I want God's support. You want his support, right? I want his support, but does he feel yours? Does he feel your support? Does Jesus feel your support? Does he feel my support? Because he was really saying to the disciples, I need your support, guys, right now. This is a deal happening here. This is the most challenging moment. So I want to say to you, does Jesus feel your support? Listen, for him and for what he loves. We want his support, but does he feel ours? Have you ever asked yourself that? Jesus, do you feel my support? That very moment the disciples needed yours, do you feel mine? We want to be supported, but does he feel your support for him? Listen, and for his church. 
Jesus loves his church. The only thing Jesus is coming back for is church. That's, he's coming back for his church. That's what he's coming back for. He loves his church, loves his people. He's coming back for that. So I want to ask you again, does Jesus feel your support for him and for his church? Have you ever thought of that? If not, maybe we've been asleep because it's all about him and his church. And obviously loving the community, loving at people in the world. We've got to go out and reach out there. But Jesus wants us to love him. And I just wonder, Lord, sometimes, Lord, do you feel my support here? Lord, am I helping you here? Is this helping how I'm doing my life and how I am when I come to church? Is this helping, Lord? Lord, please help me not to hinder what you are trying to do. So I want to encourage you today. Does Jesus feel your support for him and for his church? Because if it's real, it'll be tangible. It's not just, yes, you know, like, like, you know, yeah, you know, we not, not our heads. Sometimes we think our support is, oh, yeah, not my head. It's not nodding my head. It's not holding hands and singing kumbaya. It's actually doing something that, Lord, I'm doing this now. I'm using the gifts and talents you've given me to help support your house and your kingdom in Jesus' name. And so here's the thought. God needed the disciples then, right then. He needed them at that moment. So here's the thought for you. Have you ever thought God needs me now? God needs me now. God needs me right now. Or are we? And go to church. God needs me now. I've just been with my mom. I should have put a picture of her. She's awesome. She's 84. Loves God. Got saved and preached to me. Prayed for me. How hilarious was she? She had a prayer team in my bedroom, praying over everything in my room for me to get saved. And I've just been with her in Sydney and uh, just took her out for dinner and that. And I was just there and I was once again thinking, you know, my mom up until her 70s was running new Christians at her church in a country area. She ran new Christians. And uh, at 75, she started doing the recovery course for everybody who's recovering from drug and alcohol. Yeah, 75. And at 80, she said to me, you know... She said, honey, I think my ministry's changing a little bit. She said, she said, but you know what? She goes, even though I'm here today, she said, I said to the pastor, I think my ministry now is to stand at the door and hug and kiss everybody. <laughs> so she said, I want to make everybody feel loved and feel like they come to family and come home. So she said, that's my ministry now. So she says, I'm the big hugger and kisser. She said, I don't think some people want hugging and kissing, but I give it to them anyway. <laughs> but, but you know what? I just thought, wow, that's so great, mom. You know, like she's there. At 70 and 75 going, Lord, do you feel my support? God, what can I do? And she's just using her gifts. Right now, you know, I got stirred by God last year to put, get shoes for all the solo parents in particular in our church and then out into our community who cannot put new shoes on their kids. Children start high school, particularly when they start and they've got bad shoes, they end up feeling such low self-esteem. They get bullied. And I just thought, if we could just get some cool shoes on some kids who are in need and alleviate that pressure off the mum, that'd be awesome. And so I just thought, okay, let's do that. You know, let's try and do something. I need to be awake to that. And, uh, and so last year we did it. Puma gave us like, I don't know how many it was. It was like 50 pairs or something. And uh, this year, Asics has done a deal with us and we're buying all their, these shoes half price. And all these business people gave us money. We got $11,000. $11,000. And so now we've got 80 uh, parents coming from one school We've got about 50 parents from our church, and all of their kids are going to get brand new shoes at Christmas, the week of Christmas, 
We're going to have a Christmas store for them. They're going to have a box with their name on it, and they're going to go in there, get their shoes, and we're going to make sure that mom and dad, if they're sick or they're a solo parent, they have some alleviation at Christmas by all their kids being fitted out with new shoes, but they're the cool shoes. And I thought, you know what? This is, <laughs> you know, I could have thought, oh, no, I can't be bothered writing letters to these shoe companies. I got, I'm very busy. I've got this, I've got that. But you know what? Jesus said, I need your support here now. I need you to help. These mothers are in distress. These fathers are in distress. This dad's sick. He can't work at the moment. He needs your help. He needs your help. Do you know what? All of us can do something. The very things that God blesses at times in our life can become our focus rather than him and what he would like us to be doing. So sometimes we get blessed with things. I always feel in our church, they suddenly get the house or they get the car and then they can't come to church. I'm like, hang on. You got the car and the, and the house because you were putting God first. And now that you've got the stuff, you can't come to church. What happened there? It became the focus. Fell asleep. Jesus kept saying to the disciples, stay awake, be alert. And I want to encourage you, don't let things become your focus. Don't let things take over your life. Let Jesus be the focus and the building of his house and be blessed by the stuff. God's not against you getting a car or getting a house or whatever. That's all good. But it doesn't need to be the focus. It will actually rob you of things that God's planned for your life. So when, uh, when Jesus was saying, be alert, really he was saying, can you read the moment? Can you read the moment? Can you read the moment? I like the sons of Issachar. The Bible says they were able in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, I think, able to discern the times. And I'm like, well, before you discern the times... So you first can read the moment. Can you read the moment of your life right now? Can you read the moment? Can you read that there's times when it's necessary to change? You know, when the day comes to change, not to do so has a negative effect upon us. My wife and I, we over and over again, the day came from broken childhoods where God said, time to change. Time to now give me that. I find God just says to me, give me that. Give me that. No, I like that poverty thinking. I like it. That's all I know. That's all I know. Op shops. And that's all I did know. And Jesus said, give me that because I need you to build a building there. I need you to go and build a building so people can come to church. Well, I had to give God something to do, get something else. I had to be alert to it. Then I had to be alert to the fact, I'm, and I'd be like, oh God, how can I look, have be a father to three boys? This is crazy. My dad was terrible. What am I going to do? Jesus said, be alert to the fact that I'm going to help you now. Every time you lean into me, I'll grace you and I'll strengthen you to parent when you weren't parented. And my wife the same. We just kept, okay, Jesus, lean into. My wife parented her mother and her sister. And then we're both parents and we're like, hang on, we haven't been parented here, people. <laughs> what the heck? And God's got, lean into me now. Be alert. If you lean in now, I'll grace you, then you can parent. Alert means I can read the moment. Are you awake and alert? Because here's the other thing. One day we all stand before Jesus. And Jesus is going to say, here's what I had for you to do in Port Lincoln. Here's what I had for you to do beyond. <laughs> and here's what you did. And so I want to encourage you, get ready for this film <laughs> that says, wow, you were walking in what God had for you. Not what God had for somebody else. You don't have to do what anybody else is. Don't compare yourself with anyone else. You're unique. You're special. You're incredible. You're valuable. Who you are is valuable. What you bring is valuable. But you just need to say, Lord, what's my part? What's my part? And I was telling the guys uh, yesterday again, a little Baptist lady brought my mother when my mother was in hell. She was in the worst place with my dad. 
Little Baptist lady kept bringing casseroles to my mother and food to my mum. Come to her door, and the last casserole had Jesus loves you written on it. Made my mum burst out crying, and she ended up going to church with that lady and getting saved. And so the ministry of that woman with three casseroles, literally tens of thousands of people have come to Christ. She didn't have to go and be a preacher. She didn't have to go, but she had to be alert that God was saying, that person across the road right now needs you to come. That lady right there. And she didn't realize that lady, so many people have gone into ministry from that woman coming ministering to my mom. And my best friend for 40 years, he leads a church in America now with 8,000 people in it. He got saved as a 17-year-old after the casserole came. Like on and on and on. But guess what? It was casserole ministry. Girls, casserole ministry is anointed. Just make sure there's meat in the casserole. We don't want vegetable ones. The guys, we don't want it. We don't want it. We want meat. Put the meat in there. Amen. And all the men said, there you go. You heard it. Watch out for distractions. Distractions can appear after a period of dullness. Suddenly you're just kind of a bit dull. Nothing's not happening. Something's a distraction. Got to watch out for distractions. And, uh, and have a look and go, hang on, is that a distraction to what God's got for my life? Have a look. You know, when the Bible talks about, you know, and sorry, when I talked about how Jesus was looking, guys, right now I need you with me. I need your support. The definition of the word support is to bear, to aid, and to assist. To bear, to aid, and to assist. So in the kingdom of God, when it says bear, bear means kind of carry something. If you're supporting Jesus... He, and what he loves, his church, then really you're kind of bearing something. There's something they're kind of carrying. What is that? I've got a couple now working with me carrying the shoe ministry. I've got people right now who are working. We've started a recovery center for young guys coming off drugs and alcohol from 16 to 35 and had 20 guys go through it already. And I've got about five men who are really bearing that. They're saying, Jesus, I'm supporting you. I'm supporting your work by bearing something, being responsible, by aiding and assisting. Some of us came from very irresponsible backgrounds. Hello, raise my hand. And I've had to learn to say, okay, Jesus, help me to be responsible now because this is not a game. This is not a game. Where my children end up is not a game. Where my grandchildren end up is not a game. I had my grandchildren get, come out and they're like, Grandpa, you just rocked. You just rocked because you're an alert old dude. You're alert. You realize we were going to come. Great-grandchildren are going to come. Tomorrow is going to come, everybody. We all think tomorrow is never going to come, and then suddenly it's here. But your decisions today determine your future. I'm writing my future right now. I'm writing my old age right now by being alert to, hang on, we need to do that. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to bring our kids with us in Jesus' name. Mums and dads, if you need to apologize to your, parent, your children, do it. Some of us need to sometimes say sorry to our kids. None of us are perfect. I've got it wrong so many times. But I had to say to my, and I said to my 22-year-old before we got married, mate, I'm really sorry for some of that. And I'm sorry for this. And I apologize to you. And I had tears with him. It's a good thing. They might come back to church. We're going to work out what's going to work to get my kids, my grandchildren on the journey in Jesus' name. Amen. So when you're supporting and supporting at church, can I encourage you, bring your ideas. Bring your creativity to the leadership team, but don't force your way. This is not the kingdom of I force my way. It's the kingdom of, hey, let me just bring this idea. Let me just bring this thought and bring it with a helping heart and a helping attitude. You know, um, I think Jesus wants us to be alert to pray as well. 
alert to pray. My mum was alert to pray for me. I was so resistant to Christianity and to church. And then my mum prayed for me, and then she had a prayer group in my bedroom praying for me. Oh, my gosh. But when you pray, you authorize heaven's involvement in your affairs. When you pray, you authorize heaven. You can move now in my affairs, in my children, in my grandchildren. You can move in me. God, move in me. Lord, if you need to wake me up, wake me up. Because tomorrow's coming, everybody. Everybody who's 20, you're going to be 30 before you know it. Sorry about that. Everybody who's 40, 50's on the way, baby. It's coming. And you don't, and some people, actually a lot of people end up and they, get, they go, Ethel, how did we get here, love? <laughs> She's like, I don't know. <laughs> I want to encourage you, start to, don't live your life like that. Jesus, what should we be doing? Where should we be going? What's our step? Because when I get there with my wife, we're going to look back and go, yeah, we, this is what we planned according to what Jesus gave us. Don't end up just anywhere because I don't know how we got here. Harold, how did you get here? We got here because Jesus led us. And now we know, wow, this is where we're going. This was the focus. Never too late to start, everybody. Never too late to start. But it's too costly not to start. If it's, if it's to register in heaven, it's got to come out of my mouth. If it's to register in heaven, it's got to come out of my mouth. Jesus, God, spoke the world into being. Book of Genesis, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. Proverbs 18, 21, power of life and death's in your tongue. So you've got to say it. Jesus, I'm having the life you've planned for me. My children will serve the Lord. As Joshua said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You've got to say it and declare it because there's great power. And if it's going to register in heaven, it's going to register because it came out of your mouth. That's why Bible talks about salvation. You know, uh, salvation comes through confession. Romans 10, 9, if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So confession is key to salvation. So I want to encourage you, begin to speak out what you're believing for. Don't talk about, sometimes we're too caught up talking about, well, you know, this happened 10 years ago and he said that and she said that and she said that and I can't forgive her and he said that. Listen, you're going to be in a swamp. And I could be there and go on. I could, I could make a, gra- a glass eye cry if I was to tell you my entire childhood, keep you here for the rest of your life with everything I could be talking about. But I had to make a decision. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. That's the work of the enemy to destroy me, destroy my children. And it's a long, sad story. But I had to say, no, I'm not going to talk about it. Talked about it years ago with some counselors. Thank you, Jesus. But I had to say, I'm going to talk about what Jesus says now. We're going forward. We're going to have a new family. It's possible to have a new day. It's possible to have a new life. And then when I said it, then agree with God. Sometimes I've got to get into agreement with God. Guess what agreement looks like? Follow through. Follow through. I said it, now I'm doing it. I said it, now I'm doing it. I said it, now I'm doing it. We said it, now we're doing it. Some of us, we say it and Pastor Rob do it. We say it, Pastor Rob do it. We say it, Pastor Pauline do it. We say it, Kylie, you do it. And then we don't partake of it. We've got to say, no, I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to do it. Some of us go, well, you know what? I had such a bad life and so many disadvantages, and I couldn't be used to do anything, and everything came against me. Well, here's the next thought. Never underestimate the power in a person's disadvantages. Never underestimate the power in a person's disadvantages. The more disadvantaged you are, the more potential you have for God to do an incredible miracle through your life. 
God loves to get the worst of the worst who've been through so much and go, you know what? As they let, as they let God work in their life, God says, I'm going to turn that around. I'm going to lift you up and say, and show the world, look what I did. <laughs> look what I did. God's going to get glory through your life. If you think of Paul, I think here's Paul in prison. Paul's in prison for five or six years. And if you've been to the prison cell he was in, it's cramped and small and horrible. And he's in prison. And, uh, and here he is, you know, was Saul, murdering and killing Christians. And now he's been delivered and healed and saved. He's been used by God. And then it's prison after prison. He's in and out of prison, right? I think the totality of it was like six years. And in prison, you know, he could have sat down and said, oh, I can't believe it. Look at me serving God. And here I am. No view, prison cell, no cup of tea. This is miserable. God, where are you? What does Paul do? He says, Timothy, can you please bring me some paper and make sure I get my journal? This is going to give me a great opportunity to start writing. <laughs> he can't, he's like a jack-in-the-box. You can't keep the guy down. So he's in a prison cell. All the rest of us, we'd be, we'd be like oh, blaming God, blaming the devil. Everything. Oh. And he's in there, oh, Tim, can you go home, get my journal, get some paper. This is going to be awesome because I'm going to get some writing. There's some things in my heart and in my life I need to get out. This is going to happen. And guess what he does? He starts writing much of the New Testament out of a difficult, challenging place. And you and I today are blessed and built in our faith by him who used what was negative to, uh, to turn it around so that we have much of the New Testament today. What's your difficulty? What's the thing that's got hold of your mind? Turn it around. Romans 8.28, everything works together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Everything works together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. God wants you to get another look at it. Look at it differently. Say, Father, show me how you could use that, God. Show me, Lord, how I could take that, turn it around, God, and now be supportive of you and supportive of the building of your house. Father, show me, God. Let me see. Jesus said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. You know, I want to encourage you too. Vision is so important because vision overcomes temptation. Prayer is powerful to break the power of the enemy over your life who's at work to tempt you. But as soon as you begin to declare vision, I'll tell you, the devil is off your life. The moment he, as long as my, the devil could get me going, I, you know, dad, I can't believe what you did to me. My dad, who was so abusive, so psychologically abusive. I was telling them yesterday, when I was a kid, my dad had beat my brother so severely, I could not find a place to sleep in our house that did not have blood on it. I couldn't find a place. Didn't have, I said to my mom, where's the bed that doesn't have blood on it? There wasn't one. The whole house, we had blood everywhere. That was my childhood. I could go on about that forever. But you know what? I, I actually realized one day, my dad used to be one thing in the street, another thing at home. And I realized one day, my dad has trained me to see where people are really at. Because he was one thing. Everybody loved him on the street, but at home he was the devil. And so one day I said, Dad, thank you. He's in heaven now. He got saved before he died. Thank you, Jesus. He got saved before he died. And I went, thanks, Dad. You've been my friend to the ministry. He's been my friend to the ministry. Because now when people come into church, I'm like, I know where you're at. I've met you before. I grew up with you. I, can, I was born at night, but not last night. I can tell where people are at quite easily these days. And I'm like, wow, my dad trained me. How, how handy is that for ministry? 
I'm not going to spend the rest of my life dealing with that. What I'm going to do is say, thanks, Dad. You didn't mean that. You're a victim of your parents' pain. You weren't a bad person. It's just pain going on for generations. Someone's got to break the chain, right? Somebody's got to break the chain. But now I'm like, thanks. That's helping me today. I got vision. Vision overcomes temptation. Whatever the battle is, whatever the attack is, vision will overcome the temptation and the attack. Start to write down who you are. Start to write down who God says you are. Start to write down what you believe the gifts in your life. If you don't know what your gifts and talents are, ask your husband or wife, ask a friend, ask one of the pastors or leaders, say, who am I? What's my gifts? What's my talents? Then write them down and say, Lord, I'm going to begin to support you by using these because you gave them to me. And let me use them for the building of your kingdom in Jesus' name. The devil wants me asleep. The devil says to me, Jared, roll over, shut up and go to sleep. Roll over, shut up. I try to wreck you when you're a kid. Now just stop doing what you're doing. I'm like, no, keep attacking me. I'll keep praising. Give me more attack. I'm going to keep praising Jesus. Give me more attack. I'll get more vision. So you better get away because I'm just going to keep going. The more you give me, the more I'm going to go. The more I'm going to bless God. The more I'm going to serve God. The more I'm going to support Jesus. The more I'm going to support His church. Can somebody say amen? Interesting too, as I finish, in the garden, Peter finally wakes up. And, uh, and then he wakes up, all the chaos as everybody arrives, you know, to, uh, to take Jesus. Judas is there and says, the one I kiss betrays Jesus with a kiss. And Peter now wakes up and he's like, what's going on? What's going on? Grabs a sword and uh, goes over to the high priest's servant and lops his ear off. Suddenly, and then Jesus has to come along and heal his ear because Pete's lost the plot and he's reacting. Here's what the Lord said to me out of that. If you don't act, as in, if you don't wake up, you have a life of reacting and not acting. When you're alert and awake, Jesus, your call, your plan, your life, then you act. I'm acting now. We're doing shoes. We're building church. We're helping people in Africa. We're helping solo parents. We're doing this. We're acting. I don't react anymore. But listen, my family was all reacting. We just go from one reaction to the next. Just react, go hysterical. I can't believe it. We'd all scream and go hysterical. Then we go, then we go to the jail. Then we go to the hospital. Just react, 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 react. We just react. We never acted, just reacting. Some people, that's the cycle of their life. They don't realize. If you come like Petey, just chopping things. <laughs> Chop your ear off. Jesus has got to come and heal the mess. So what we're going to say is, Lord, help me to move from a life of reacting now to a life of acting according to your calling and your destiny on my life. Gosh, it's good when you stop reacting. So good. Oh, it's fantastic. I was crisis addicted, crisis addict. When everything was just crisis, I was good because I was used to it. Okay, we going to jail. Anybody going to hospital? Mom losing the plot. We have psychiatric unit. What's going on? And I'm not having a go at anybody. I'm telling you, this was my life. So when I became a Christian, I was like, okay, I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a bit bored being a Christian, Jesus. It's a bit boring. And he said, no, 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 you're a crisis addict along with your family. I'm healing you. And I'm going to bring peace and normalcy to your life. And I'm going to nurture your soul fresh and new. And so now I'm just like, wow, cool. How good is this? Just act. Just act. Start to act. Start to act with what Jesus has given you to do. In this church, everybody's got something amazing to give. And I believe if you'll be alert, start to become awake, 
There are gifts that God wants to use in the church, then out into the community and out around Port Lincoln and beyond. The gifts that God gave you are not for you. The gifts God gave you are for the church and then for the community. We've got a young guy who got saved now. Youth ministry years ago, came along. He was training to be an architect and he had this tree lopping business where he was doing the highest trees in Perth. He'd go and tackle them. And he's a real interesting thinker. And I was like, wow, you're an interesting young guy, hey. And I just said to him, you should do politics or something. You're a really good thinker. He goes, really? He ran for our local council at 25, got on the local council. 28, I said to him, you should go for state election. Let's see if they'll run you for a seat with the Liberal Party. He ran for a seat, 28, got on to, um, uh, they won the election in Western Australia. He had his own seat, the Liberal Party politician. Now he's 32, he's the Environment Minister for Western Australia. He's the Heritage Minister. And the Premier, to be honest, is grooming him. Probably not the next election, but the one after that to be Premier of Western Australia. He's in our youth ministry. Guess what? He woke up. I sort of thought he woke up. He went, you know what? Maybe I could do something. And I said to him, how is it being a politician in state parliament? Because I go in there and I'm like, whoa, this is, this is full on. He said to me, Pastor Jared, he goes, do you know what I know the truth? I love it. He said, I'm alive. He says, it's like chess. I love it. He goes, every time they move their piece, I'm ready with mine. <laughs> He's 32. My younger middle son works for him now. I'm like, how amazing. How amazing. He woke up. He woke up. He woke up. The Baptist lady across the road woke up to my mum being across the road. What did she do? She woke up. Jesus said, use that hospitality gift to cook food. Go and give it to that lady. And as she brought it to my mum, tens of thousands of people have come to Christ now through that lady. Wake up, everybody. Wake up. Wake up. You're valuable. You're important. You've got something amazing. Time to act. Time to stop reacting. And let's take our kids with us. Can somebody say a big, big amen? You able to stand up with me? Can we just actually, can we just thank the Lord right now? Just thank God for His calling, His goodness, and His grace. Can we just clap Jesus for a moment, church? Let's just clap Jesus right now. Come on, let's just clap Him for His calling. Come on, really clap Him for His hand on our lives. Come on, can someone thank Him for saving them? Come on, let's just use our voice. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Let's worship. Thank you, team.